Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Please accept my apologies. I, I am much later, and uh, it has been a very difficult couple days for me. And uh, had a lot going on. You know, we had uh, we had a pie burst at the house uh, Sunday afternoon. I've been dealing with the fallout. Matter of fact, I got people here now. They're doing some work and drying out. And if you've ever been through any of that, you understand how intrusive all that is, but how necessary it is. And I appreciate the good folks involved in this process for how quickly they've gotten involved and and uh, have kind of moved towards getting this thing resolved for us and uh very very happy with uh i'm not going to give a shout out to, to my agents or anything but i'm very very happy uh with our service and uh called those guys first thing monday morning they had somebody here uh almost immediately and uh and then had uh you know the parent company get involved and we've had people here pretty much every day but um so I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I don't want to get emotional. But uh, it has been a very difficult couple of days for me. You know, we all have people in our lives that, uh, you know, that are there when we are ready to make a stand. You know what I'm saying? There are some times in life when you make a stand and you make a change in your life and you do something that is, uh, you know, in hindsight, very dramatic. And that, that was the case for me when I got sober, you know, back in 1991. And uh, one of the first friends that I had was a guy by the name of Scott. And uh, we called him Scotty back then. And uh, listen, was always there for me. Just one of those people that, uh, you know, not, not obnoxiously involved in your life. But like whenever you needed him, he was always around. He was always a guy that was, uh, you know, willing to come sit and, and uh, drink coffee and smoke a few cigarettes and, and uh, go to Shoney's or whatever and have the, the, the breakfast buffet and... Uh, there's a lot of good things, a lot of good memories for him, for me. And uh, so, yeah, that was one of the most difficult undertakings for me is when I got sober. It's like, well, what do you do for friends? You know, it's like I was young. I was, I was you know, a teenager. When I, when I started going to A meetings, I was a teenager. And so, you know, a lot of the A functions that I know these days, I mean, I know if young people walked in today, they would just turn around and walk out. It's because there's just not a lot of relatable people there. But... But because I was in Hattiesburg and you had Pine Grove there, so there was never any shortage of young people going in and out of the Pine Grove program. And so there were some people that you could find some uh, some commonality with. And so Scotty wasn't one of those people, but he was a person that was in recovery. And so, so to make a long story short, uh, he was one of my first friends and uh, really kind of helped me kind of get my feet on the ground. I'd moved to Hattiesburg and, uh, you know, for a second time and, was really good, determined at this point that I was going to do things the right way, and and uh, I shared on Facebook yesterday. He was one of those champions in my life. You know, some people use that phrase kind of as an excuse, uh, you know, on the recruiting trail for them to do un- unscrupulous things. But you know, Scotty was a great friend to me, and uh, lost contact for a while. You know, life happens, and uh, you know, started having kids and changing jobs and that sort of stuff, and changing towns, and uh, able to reconnect with him. I guess about eight or nine years ago. And since I've been back in Mississippi, I've been to see him regularly. And uh, it's been one of those things where how many times in my life, you know, have I lost track of somebody and then they passed away. And then you think, oh, man, I wish I would have known or I wish I'd have been able to reach out and let them know what they meant to me. Uh, but but in this case, I was able to do that. And, I, and that is one of those things that I, I consider one of the greatest gifts uh, perhaps that God has given me is that somebody that was so instrumental in me getting sober that uh, I was able to be a part of his life uh, once again, you know, after he had achieved some type of acclaim as uh, one of 
you know, Mississippi's best, you know, artist. He, uh, he worked and uh, was basically a starving artist in more ways than one, but uh, he, he lived in Fondren, and, and uh, you can find his work all over Jackson. And uh, if you've ever been to Sneaky Beans Coffee there in Fondren, there's a big mural outside of a, uh, of a girl smoking a long-filter cigarette, and her name is Amy, and my friend Scott painted that. And uh, he provided a lot of color and a lot of art for the Fondren community. And so I'm so grateful that I was able to see all of that, that I was able to see that part of Scott, and that he was able to, uh, to do some amazing things, and I was able to bear witness to that. So I share that with you just because of the fact that uh, I am incredibly grateful to have had a friendship with him and to have had a friendship after we had both achieved some level of success, that uh, you know, some type of acclaim. And, and I think about that, and I wrote about it so many times, uh, you know, personally, but I, I began to think about, you know, who would have ever thought, you know, nearly 30 years ago, you know, the two guys that just happened to meet up in an AA meeting, you know, share a smoke or whatever, uh, would end up accomplishing what we've been able to accomplish. And uh, I'm so incredibly heartbroken by all of this. And, uh, you know, I, to be honest with you, I, I got done, got home yesterday, and I wrote a few things, and I went right to bed just because I just didn't. I just didn't have it, and then I woke up, and and then and then you know was emotional some more, and then I went back to sleep, and then uh, I got up, and I haven't been real motivated to do a whole lot. I kind of had to force myself to write an article earlier. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but uh, listen, I don't you don't need me to sit here and preach to you because everybody knows how precious life is, especially these days. But my friend Scott Sorensen was special to me, and uh, he wasn't just a friend to me. Uh, he was a guy that was basically, uh, you know, one of those people that was. Uh, you know, that kind of showed me a new way to live. You know, helped me learn some good habits and helped me learn some things that were going to help me uh, in recovery and help help me learn the value of real friendship. And I'm very grateful in the recent years we were able to connect and I was able to kind of repay some of that friendship. And uh, and so maybe there's a friend out there that you've lost t- touch of. Let me encourage you at this time, spend some time trying to find them on social media and if you're at odds with them, make amends or make apologies because life is too short and death is too certain for us to live with grudges between people we love. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. And uh, listen, Bulldog Burger Company, they're going to be part of this community kind of moving forward. You need to be, be prepared for that. And so let me encourage you. Uh, they are part of a great family of restaurants right here in the Golden Triangle. And uh, Bulldog Burger Company is a great place to eat. But they're a family of restaurants, you know, with the, the grill and, and Harvey's. They eat with us a group, you know, Peppers. These are people that understand what it means to feed people. So let me encourage you. I'm big on this uh, gift card thing. There, You're going to have students in your lives at Mississippi State, at Itawamba, places like that, high school students, whatever, that are going to want a night out on town or whatever and, and uh, not going to have the funds to go do it. Let me encourage you, send them some Eat With Us gift cards, get them some Bulldog Burger cards, and give them an opportunity to have a night out on you. Mom and Dad, you might not be able to bring them to the restaurant yourself, but man, how nice would it be to be able to, uh, to let them go out with their friends and have a nice meal and a nice break on a Friday night after a long week of school? Uh, I, I think that's a great gift. So go to eatwithus.com. Bulldog Burger Company, two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Starkville and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T.
All right, so I wanted to talk a little Bulldog offense today. You know, we've had some transfers and that sort of stuff, and uh, I just want to talk about kind of how the piece is going to come together. We've got plenty of time, as I've shared with you guys, to talk about what might be and what might not be. But uh, I've learned in recent days, and I think it's been out there now, that Mississippi State's going to make a decision or make an announcement about Bulldog football uh, the first part of August. And so there's at this point, there's no need to speculate because we just don't know. There's not anything to know yet. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know something when I don't. We're going to wait. They're collecting data, and, uh, and we'll see. And um, we'll figure it out from there. I still expect to play football. All right, so let's talk about offensive line. You know, we talked about, you know, Stuart Reese was kind of a surprise grad transfer, and I give Paul Jones some credit. You know, I don't know where he heard it. I, th- I think initially, actually, it was just kind of Paul's opinion. He goes, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Stuart Reese pursue a grad transfer option. And we all kind of talked ourselves and thinking, you know, he and Hevesy didn't have the best of relationships. It didn't make a lot of sense for him to go back. And then this COVID thing hit, and uh, I was told a lot lot of it was family-related, you know, because he didn't have a chance to get to know the staff here, and he didn't have any negative feelings about Mississippi State or or about uh, the new coaching staff because, number one, he earned his degree here and had a lot of great friends here. But – just an opportunity to go back home and be closer to home. And, and when he made the decision, that was kind of in the height of the quarantine. And uh, there was a lot of panic, and there's still a lot of panic. But we, we've got a better idea of how things are, you know, have progressed. You know, there's, just, there's a lot out there. I'm not going to get into all that again today. But Stuart Reese makes the move. And so not a good thing for Mississippi State to lose, a, you know, a senior starter. Even though I feel like he might have had some real challenges in this scheme because running run blocking was really his strong suit. You know, he's not a guy that was ever really good about kind of getting back on his heels and pass pro, but he is was a very much a road grader. And so I think he could have a good year at Florida and probably boost his NFL stock a little bit. But I, he's going to be drafted either way, but he's not a great pass setter. All right, so let's kind of get into this today and let's see who we have where. Okay, so – while he hasn't played a lot of SEC football, we fully expect Charles Cross to be the starter at left tackle. Five-star kid, could have played last year. Glad he didn't. Redshirted him, was able to put some mass on him. Uh, eager to see what he's going to do. And, of course, there were all these rumors out there. It's all these people that think they know so much more than me and you, and they're wrong. They're wrong about what they think, and they're wrong about what they say, and they're wrong to think that they know more than us. All these people I hear, because of the fact the Jari and Jones thing blew up in their face, they want to kind of keep us on guard and say, oh, well, the worst is yet to come for stake, and this is going to happen, and blah, blah, blah. All right, Charles Cross, there wasn't much substance to any of that stuff. There were some people of the old Miss variety that would have loved for him to have left Mississippi State. But, again, I want you to remember that the next time these people come out there, I mean, and you know who I'm talking about. I'm, I'm not even going to mention their names just because of the fact that I want to get a ride because then they'll go talk about me on their show and say, well, we were really right, but you really weren't, and you never are. But there were a lot of people that just wanted to get your goat and kind of get your gumption and get you fired up and get you arguing on message boards and cause anxiety because they wanted to deflect the embarrassment that they were feeling because of the Jari and Jones, Fabian Lovett thing. So Charles Cross didn't entertain any of that. And uh, what's funny about that, too, is if you know anything about Charles Cross and his parents, 
and that family, you would understand that Mississippi State is without a doubt the best fit for him among the in-state programs, and it's not close. It's not close. All right, so uh, so Dollar Bill, big fan of Dollar Bill. Think at some point he might be a right tackle, but he's running second team left tackle right now. We'll see how kind of things progress and develop you know, as we get into fall camp. But Dollar Bill was a guy, listen, guy that committed to state really early, played his way into the Under Armour All-American game. You know, then his mom dies. I mean, he's had this, you know, tremendous story. And uh, comes to Mississippi State, fired up, ready to go, didn't play a whole lot that redshirt year. Uh, but now he's ready to go. And if, you, if you've seen some of his crazy videos that he puts out on social media, he is incredibly agile for a bigger guy. We talk about having great feet for a tackle. You ought to see him dance. It's, inc- it's incredible. I mean, it is. This is a kid that has really embraced the weight room. And listen, he's still got some seasoning to do. He's still got to grow up a little bit. Yeah, but he is a guy that uh, you know, will be a, a, real, a, a real big part of things for Mississippi State. Probably be the third tackle this year. Play a little bit on both sides. Uh, but one of the things that I have learned in talking to Mason Miller, he's not really big on flipping the guys around. That was one of the things that, uh, you know, Marcus Johnson taught those guys to play both ways. And, you know, I am, to be honest with you, Marcus did a great job here. I'm not in any way being critical of Marcus. I think the world of Marcus, I think Marcus did a great job recruiting at Mississippi State. That Mike Leach and uh, Mason Miller are going to reap a lot of the benefits from that. But I, I've never been one. You know, when you flip guys around and, and you change their steps, and it's like you change the routine for these big guys, man. And, and a lot of times you're just making them guess a little bit. You, you can't play aggressive and slow at the same time. You know, in order to be aggressive, you got to know what you're doing. And so when you flip guys around, you kind of you create some hesitation on their part. Listen, if I go out there and I'm at left tackle, I know my steps, I know what i got to do, I know my keys, I don't have to go out there and think. I can just react. But if I've got to go think, it's tough to be a tough physical football player when, I'm, when I have to spend that first beat on the snap thinking about what I've got to do next. And listen, there are some guys that are capable of doing that. But there are a lot of guys that are just simply more comfortable working one side of the line. That's what I understand Mason Miller plans to do is left tackles are going to play left tackle. But I could see Dollar Bill as kind of being a swing guy if needed. Okay, we'll get to that a little bit later. The left guard position, I think, is locked down uh, with Darian Parker. I'm a, I'm a D. Parker fan, man. I mean, this is a guy that just kind of goes about his business. Uh, doesn't do a lot of media. He's just and he was he was like that in high school too. He, he just wanted to go out there and play football. Uh, he is a true blue collar kid that just brings the lunch pail to work every day. Uh, not flashy, but you also don't see the guy getting blown up. He's a very physical kid, plays with a flat back and fires off the line. I'm eager to see what he does in this scheme. But uh, this is a guy that wants to be good at football, and uh, I'm excited about his future. Now, right behind him is Nick Pendley, and I'm excited to see what Nick Pendley and Charles Cross do together on the left side of that line in the next few years. Nick Pendley is a mean, tough joker, man. This is a guy, listen. This is a guy that plays to the echo of the whistle, and uh, if he can get you down on the ground, even if the play is over, even if you've given up on the play, he will still plow you in the ground. And that is one of those things about Mississippi State offensive linemen that a lot of our fans take a lot of pride in are those guys that have a real mean streak, and that's what Nick Pendley has. 
and a uh, very intelligent guy, man. I mean, that's the thing through his recruiting process. This is a kid that got it. He didn't get caught up in the bright lights. He said, hey, listen, I'm looking for, I'm looking for depth charts. I'm looking for relationships. I'm looking for an academic field of study. I'm not looking for the bright lights. I'm looking for what's best for me now and best for me long term. This is a great situation for him. He's come in and a good job. If you go back and look at his snaps from last year, there's a few things floating around there online. You go check him out. Nick Penley is a guy that I think is going to make you really, really proud as an offensive lineman. But I think that he is the future. It would be too deeper this year and probably a future starter uh, right there at left guard. And then uh, Penley and Cross, very, very good friends. They uh, got to know each other during the recruiting process and have built a solid bond. Now the center thing, you know, this is something that will still be figured out. You know, I think it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that Cole Smith would be the starter at center. I still expect that to happen. I think LaQuinston Sharp is right there with him. But I, I like LaQuinston more as the number two guy and a guy that can play the right guard position. I think that right guard position is really the one thing that is really kind of up and uh, up for grabs. I mean, I, I think that's one of those positions you think, okay, with Reese moving on, that was one thing you kind of had to figure out, so you slide somebody over there. And so now I think you take a guy like Scott Lashley. I think Scott Lashley was running some at right tackle, and I think now you move him inside the right guard and you let him and LaQuinston Sharp kind of compete for that. Now, Scott Lashley, this might be the best thing that ever happened to him. And this is a guy, too, you know, with, with Reese leaving on, leaving, it has given Lashley the opportunity to kind of play his way uh, in, into the lineup. You know, now there's one less guy on the interior to compete with. And that's not to say that I didn't think Lashley was going to play a lot this year. But I think Lashley is one of those guys now sliding inside because State's needs at on the interior are a little more immediate. I think Scott's got a chance to really play. And I would not be surprised if Scott Lashley didn't end up starting some games this year at right guard. I think LaQuinson Sharp um, is probably the guy right now. But we'll see how things progress. But I like that option. I think that's one of those grad transfer things that's kind of flown under the radar. But Scott Lashley is a guy that should have been here all along. I think Mason Miller will get the most out of him. And I think that Scott's going to look back and say, you know what, I made the right decision being a grad transfer and going to Mississippi State. And so we get out there at the right tackle position. You know, And, and, and let's be honest. How many of you folks really thought two years ago, or even three years ago, that Greg Island would be your starting right tackle. Let's be honest about it. Most people didn't. A lot of people thought he was going to be a depth guy. All right, let's swing out there to right tackle. And I think that's one of those things we, a lot of people probably didn't expect, you know, Greg Island to be your starting right tackle. I mean, let's be honest. There are a lot of people that said, you know, he'd be a depth guy, Steve. You know, he's big and long. And listen, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I saw him his junior year of high school, I thought, you know what, he's tall and long, but, man, he's just not athletic enough. And then I saw him as a senior, and I thought he might have been the most improved player in the state of Mississippi. I mean, he was that much better. He embraced the weight room. He trimmed up. He looked good. He got here, and a lot of people said, well, you know, Steve, it's a different animal playing in SEC, and you know what? You're right. But we get out there, Martinez Rankin goes down against Auburn. The next thing you know, we're throwing Greg Allen out there, and Greg held his own, not only against Auburn, but Greg held it down, I think, for four weeks until Martinez came back. And there were some people thinking Rankin was done for the year. He wasn't. He did come back, but Greg benefited from that, flipped over, and has been our right tackle since then. And a lot of people thought with Lashley coming in, Lashley would overtake Greg Island, but now with Lashley probably sliding in at the right guard position, it's a different deal. 
it's an absolutely different deal. And I think that's one of those things, too. When you look at this group, you begin to think, okay, all right, I kind of got it figured out here. And, again, I think Dower Bill could be a guy that could be, you know, a flip guy. But, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, we, that's a thing that fall camp will kind of determine. But, you know, looking at this offensive line, you know, I, I begin to think, you know, you've got some guys here that have some experience. This isn't, you know, where you're throwing a bunch of freshmen out there. You know, Charles Cross, a little inexperienced at left tackle, obviously. Very talented. But then you're going to have a senior left guard. You have the potential to have – uh, Richard, sophomore or senior at center, and then a senior at right guard, and then a senior at right tackle. And so when I begin to kind of run those numbers down, I begin to realize there's a lot of SEC snaps that have been played uh, between these guys, and I think that is very exciting. I, I think the, the older guys will embrace a new way of doing things because they already have a solid foundation of college football underneath them. So I am not the least bit concerned about the offensive line. I think that will be a strength of the offense. And I think when you're trying to keep K.J. Costello upright and give him an opportunity to survey the field, it's only going to make life easier for him. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I, uh, I wrote an article earlier today. It's on Gene's page. It's a free article. And it's about what receiving. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Max Borgie at Washington State was the leading pass catcher for Washington State last year with 86 catches. Well, Max Borgie is a running back, led the team in catches. The number two guy on the team, Esau Winston, had 85 catches. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, if, they, if, if guys could replicate those numbers, they would be the second and third greatest receiving seasons in the history of Mississippi State. Fred Ross holds a record at 88. We have had one receiver in our history catch more than 80 passes. Washington State has had one five years in a row and had two last year. It's incredible to think about. There's going to be a big culture shift here at Mississippi State, and I think it's important that everybody understand that. And so, as I discussed last week after talking to Eric Mealy, you know, Colin Hill may not lead the SEC in rushing, but he could still lead in all-purpose yards. I'm eager to see what this team could do on the field. And with an offensive line that is capable of pass protecting, when there was really kind of a strong suit last year at times when we were healthy. Uh, but I'm eager to see what happens with this group now when we do the Space Invaders deal where we, we spread everybody out and our splits are much wider. And, and uh, it keeps guys like Sam Williams out of the backfield. Sam Williams probably the best player on Ole roster right now regardless of position. Got some, got some run as a seven tech last year against Mississippi State. Kind of gave us some trouble. But we're going we're gonna to negate some of that. It's because of the fact we're going we're gonna to push those guys out a little bit farther. But this is an offensive line that is capable. This is a talented group and very experienced. After speaking to Lewis Vasquez, former Texas Tech offensive lineman, former Denver Broncos, Super Bowl champion, I asked him, I said, how difficult is it going to be for these guys to pick it up? He goes, man, he goes, a week, ten days? Maybe a couple weeks the most for even the younger guys. He goes, guys that have played a lot of football, this is going to be very easy for them uh, to kind of pick up. They're going to understand the splits. And he goes, you know, he said, it doesn't take long to make a believer out of those guys because you see the benefits of it pretty quick. He's like, once you get them out there, once they have a feel for how things are going to go, okay, we're going to spread you out. And so all of a sudden you have to get used to a new spacing Everything is a little bit different, not a lot different, but a little bit different. And then all of a sudden you, you get out there and you, you, you realize there is a method to the madness. 
And so there's a lot of people then at that point say, okay, well, this, hey, listen, this works. And when you see some immediate dividends, then the buy-in is that much greater. Then people are like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this because we're being successful. We're going to go win football games. When you get people out there that don't believe in what you're doing, they start second-guessing the coaching staff. That's when you have issues. But according to Luis Vasquez and some other guys that I've spoken to, they'll, they'll, t- they'll tell you it doesn't take long for Leach and his guys to get everybody on the same page because everybody knows that they want to win, and it doesn't take long when you get on the practice field to realize the guy knows what he's talking about. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and share this with you again. Most of you, listen, let's be honest, you didn't get what you wanted for Father's Day. Now, you don't have to tell anybody, but you can take matters into your own hands by going to hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. It is without a doubt the best cologne that I have ever worn. One of the reasons I like it so much is because it fits me. It fits my preferences. You can find out what your, your product should look like. Go take the short two-minute quiz at hawthorne.co. And you, you pick what you like, and then it pairs up a product that fits you. You order it, and they'll send you to work, send to place it. I'm telling you, it's, gonna, it's a game changer. It is a, ga- it is a game changer. Every time I wear the cologne, some, somebody always, they'll be, especially as of late, because I've had so many people in the hospital that have, and people that have been sick and that kind of stuff, and people come up and they're in close quarters and say, man, you smell good. What is that? What's Hawthorne.co? So you go check it out for yourself. Use promo code Boneyard, and you can get either a gift card or some savings there. The, the, the promo kind of changes, but let me encourage you. Go check it out. Hawthorne.co, promo code Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. Let's get in the top ten list today. I have had so many suggestions as of late. Some of those I'm going to use. There's a couple of you that keep mentioning the jam bands. Hey, Steve, listen, I'm not a big jam band guy, okay? And I hate to disappoint you. And and because I don't know a lot about that, I would feel uncomfortable, you know, putting the list together. Because I think those of you you jam band hipsters would would roast me. And I get enough of that as it is. And so I'm going to leave that to you. I've got some friends, uh, you know, BJ and those guys are big widespread panic fans. I, I get it. There are a lot of fish fans out there. I know a lot of people love widespread panic. I just haven't been able to get into them. That's not to so say they're not any good, but it's just not my cup of tea. But uh, I'm not really a jam band guy. But man, if you guys enjoy it, you do it. But I don't feel comfortable putting a top 10 list together of bands that I'm not as familiar with. I just don't get it. That would be like me deciding that, you know, I would want to put it together, you know, a list of. Uh, you know, of Ole Miss players. You know, I, I don't have a favorite Ole Miss player because I don't like Ole Miss. Some of you do, traders, but I don't. So let's get into the top ten list. This one courtesy of Jay Hopkins, and I've decided to do this as a two-parter. We're going to have a uh, we're going to have a list this day on Wednesday, and then we're going to have the follow-up to the same list on Friday. A little different deal. It's the top Van Halen songs. And because there is such an emotional reaction to those people, I don't like Van Hagar, Steve. Def Leppard sucks, Dirt. I get it. I disagree. I like both, really all three Van Halens. I, I like, I mean, the Gary Sharon stuff wasn't quite as strong. But I like the Sammy Hagar stuff, too. It is a different era in music. And so I kind of judge them as two different bands. So today, we're going to go in chronological order. We're going to talk about the top songs of the David Lee Roth era of Van Halen. Now, you talk about a difficult list to put together. This is it. And I'll be honest with you, 
I'm kind of second guessing my number one song just because of the fact I like so many of them. And if you ask me tomorrow, this list might look differently. And so I've got... Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Probably oh, half a dozen honorable mentions right out of the gate. And I could honestly, I could make a case for half of these songs to be in the top five. That's, I mean, that's how close this thing is. It's like asking my favorite Mississippi State you know, defensive back or something. I mean, you know, it's it's incredible. All right, so here we go. Uh, honorable mentions for And the Cradle Will Rock. You guys know that one. That's the, that's the lead track off of the um, Women and Children First album. Took me a second. Pardon me. Uh, Drop Dead Legs is a, a hidden gem on 1984. I love that song. I love that story. 
I know, but Drive Dead Legs is one of those that a lot of people don't talk about because that, that whole 84 album, start to finish, is a classic. It's like every song could have been a single from Top Jimmy uh, to Girl Gone Bad. Every one of those could have been on the radio. Uh, but Drive Dead Legs, one of my favorites on the album that didn't make it as a single. Somebody Give Me a Doctor off of Van Halen 2. Loved that song. It's, I mean, this one, to me, that was one of those early Van Halen tracks that people realized, you know what, these guys weren't just a flash in the pan because that first album was just so enormous. I think a lot of people felt like there's no way they're going to be able to match that. And I don't know that they did, but there were enough great songs on that Van Halen 2 album to make you realize that Van Halen was going to quickly become a headliner. Little Guitars, bro. Little Guitars, an underappreciated classic right off a of Diver Down. Uh, I believe that's correct. Been, I didn't look these up by album. I'm doing this one by memory. And, and I did a lot of drugs in the early 90s, so I might have missed a few things. But uh, Little Guitars, a great intro by Sir Edward Van Halen. But uh, a very different song in, in the uh, catalog, for sure. Dance the Night Away is another one that uh, is a classic off Van Halen, too. A lot of people dig that song. Big radio hit for them. Matter of fact, the last time I heard this song was uh, down at the Center Bar at the uh, Hard Rock Casino in Biloxi. Or whatever they called that. It was some band named Contraflow that played it. They did a really good version of it. And it just reminded me, too, how great that early Van Halen catalog was. And then the top honorable mention song, one of my favorites, actually, and the fact that it's not in my top ten, I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit. It is one of the greatest and funniest songs and uh, one that I think is underappreciated on radio, and that's Ice Cream Man. I don't know how anybody can't like the song Ice Cream Man. That is one of the greatest songs, not just Van Halen, but of that era. I'm your ice cream man. Stop me when I'm passing by. I'm your ice cream man. All right, let's get in here. Now, these are, these. Are, I, you listen, a lot of people have these songs in, in, their, in, in the, their favorites on their playlist. And I expect there to be some angst, man. Steve, how could you pick this one? But I love all these songs. I do. Matter of fact, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put Ice Cream Man number 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to scratch another one. Don't, don't ask me which one. I'm going to scratch number 10. I'm putting Ice Cream Man number 10. Because all my flavors are guaranteed to satisfy, too. All right, number 9 is Jump. And I know many of you are like, Steve, but no, no. no. Jump's not number 1. Okay, well, I'll tell you one of the reasons why is we got a keyboard solo rather than a guitar solo. And I like Jump, but it was a little bit overplayed. It was one of those mega hits on MTV. Uh, it's a great song. It really is. But uh, I, I like it a little less than some of the other classics. Number eight for me is Everybody Wants Some off uh, Women and Children First. If you have ever seen the movie Better Off Dead, that might have been your introduction into that song. Uh, you remember the hamburger, you know, when uh, when John Cusack was you know working at the hamburger place? And if you haven't seen that, go, you can dig it up on YouTube. Better Off Dead is a great movie. If you've never seen it, you should. One of the, it is an '80s movie classic. I could watch that movie tonight. There's so many funny subplots in that movie. I want my two dollars. Two dollars. If you don't know the movie, you don't know the reference. Go check it out, kids. Better Off Dead. It's probably on Hulu or. Netflix or whatever, but you can you need to find it. Number seven for me off of uh, Van Halen one is uh, "Ain't Talking About Love." That was uh, sampled by a couple different 
uh, rap groups in the late 80s, early 90s, but um, certainly a classic. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you the, the, the song that I scratched, just because I gotta mention it as I gotta mention this because now nah, I won't do it. I'm, I'm gonna move on. Number six for me is I'll wait. I'll wait. A huge hit for them. I love the percussion on the album. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't include Panama. I didn't do Jump because they didn't have a guitar solo. The same thing for this one, but I think the vibe on I'll Wait is much different. And I, I think lyrically it tells a great story. It's just, uh, it's almost kind of a stalkeristic thing with David Lee Roth and some Playboy Playmate. And I, at one time I knew who the song was about, but, uh, but maybe you can find that on, on Wikipedia. All right, so number five for me is Unchained. Unchained, one of the best songs on uh, on Fair Warning. And that, and that was the song, Mean Street. That was the song that was number 10 for me. This is Home. This is Mean Street. You know that one. That was the one that I bumped to put Ice Cream Man on. So that, that now goes to an honorable mention. But Unchained, you know, one of the things, I love the intro, but one of the things that I love about Van Halen were the harmonies, man. I mean, it's like there's so many people that don't get, that understand, you know, the songs. Like, well, you got this, you got that. Listen, those Michael Anthony harmonies in those early Van Halen albums, that's the definitive sound uh, for Van Halen. But that this is one of those ones when uh, that you, that you, when you hear it, you hear that quintessential Van Halen track. Number four for me, Jamie's Crying, uh, kind of had new life breathed into it with Wild Thing by Tone Loke uh, in the 80s. But Jamie's Crying is a tremendous track. Again, the harmonies are great. The percussion's great. This is one of those ones that I look at and I say, okay, this is, this is true Van Halen. This is the spirit of who they really wanted to be. Number three, one of the huge video hits. One of the greatest intros in rock music is Hot for Teacher. How many people, when you heard Alex Van Halen come rolling in on a drum set, thought it was a, a thought it was going to be uh, a motorcycle? It's incredible. Not to mention that video. Um, that was uh, every middle school boy's dream, right? It was incredible. I could go back and watch it today. And then remember they had the young Van Halen, you know, like David Lee Roth pulls up in the in the. Uh, in the convertible, and they pick up the young guys who were like pretending like the younger versions of themselves. Go check it out. Number two off of Van Halen, one, the self-titled album, is Running With The Devil. I could have gone number one with this one. I could have. I really could have. But uh, maybe my uh, Southern Mississippi upbringing in church wouldn't let me go all the way with that. You know, don't tell my mom. But... Uh, this is one of those albums, and it kind of made it more interesting. I think that's the thing, too. There's so many people back in those days that said that all the music was, uh, was devil worship music or whatever. And so I think, in, I think it only just sold more records, you know, because I think then kids said, oh, hey, well, if our parents don't want us to like it, it must be good. And there were a lot of people that kind of rallied against Van Halen because of that track. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why they wrote the song, but it's great. And number one for me. And I can hear this one anywhere, and anytime I, I turn it on, it's not loud enough. But it's Panama. And again, I can be talked out of Panama. I think all these deserve to be in the top ten. Uh, but I think Panama was one of those songs that really broke Van Halen through from being just kind of a, you know, a big rock band to just being a huge band. I, I think they kind of shook the genre a little bit 
and people began they became a lot more radio friendly but not by selling out i think radio came to them instead of the other way around but uh panama great song great album of 84 great video go check it out uh, again the harmonies on it are great i think the guitar solo is tremendous but that's my pick your picks may differ your picks would be wrong uh my list is always correct yours is incorrect but you can send me let me know if i'm wrong find me on social media find me on gene's page and let me know where i screwed up and i'm sure that one of you guys are going to pick a song that i love I, and because I, i'm a guy listen i'm a deep catalog guy man it's like you know i want that's one thing i love about listening to vinyl is it's so much trouble to go change it that i'll listen to the whole album and then i listen to the whole side and i'm thinking man i forgot about that song man that song was so great and uh you know that's one of the things about technology today is while it's great to have music on demand it's kind of cool sometimes to go back and listen to those b-sides and listen to the journey that an album takes you on and so i know a lot of people go buy vinyl because they think it's cool and it's hipster or whatever but uh, I, I think one of the best things about it is it will familiarize you with more of the catalog of the artists that you love. So that's the Van Halen list. We'll be back on Friday to do the Van Hagar list. All right, so we talked offensive linemen at the top of the show, and then we talked Van Halen. So now we'll talk some offensive line recruiting. It is still a work in progress. And uh, that's one thing I think everybody needs to understand. We, we win the big in-state battle first. Uh, with Macklin Pounders from Bahelian, and he's still doing well, uh, still locked in. I've, I've traded some messages with him recently. I know Ole Miss and Memphis are both still uh, very much in touch with him. You recall LSU offered him, and that kind of slowed him down. And I really think at, at the end of the day, that was really kind of a glorified invitation to camp, and that's no slight of his ability. LSU's kind of recruiting at a, a level that most schools aren't. But when you get a guy that size and ability – Sometimes you throw an offer at him to kind of keep him in play while you figure it all out. It was really going to be a state almost battle all along. I knew both schools were pushing. State got it done, and uh, he has remained true maroon. Built a great relationship with Mason Miller. Uh, and, again, state's going to have to continue to recruit him like an undeclared player just because of the fact that uh, nobody's going to back off of that kid in July. And I understand the dead period runs through August. Uh, and it's going to be you know, a land rush once this thing opens up. But Macklin Pounders is a guy that, uh, you know, because of the fact, I think this is where the quarantine helps Mississippi State is, is there a lot of people out there that maybe were on the fence about him and not sure, but State's been all in on him. State's been all in, and so you've had the benefit of, you know, basically having daily conversations with him when other schools haven't been. You know, they're kind of, you know, fishing in other waters right now and so i think the benefit from all that is is that by the time other schools come in it's going to be a little bit too late to kind of turn the tide so we've talked a little bit about uh, jim riley from tishomingo i still think that's going to happen i think that's one of those deals that, that you want to see him in person you want to see him this fall because he played tight end last year he is going to play offensive line this year i know richard russo is head coach his first year, Richard was at Water Valley. Now Richard's, pardon me, uh, Richard was at Water Valley. And, and then for a while there, uh, I can't remember where he was. You have to forgive me, Coach. I'm sorry. But uh, he left there, and now he is at Tishomingo County and will do a great job there. Will do a great job there. I got no doubt about it at all. But so now Riley is going to move to tackle full time. He'll still play some D line too, but this is the guy that was kind of born to play tackle. I think. That's a later offer, but I think that's a guy that you guys need to be familiar with. 
Rodney Orr is a guy, listen, this is a kid over in Alabama that's got everybody on him. I'm told Auburn is the childhood favorite, but Auburn has really slow played him. They really hadn't done a whole lot with him. Alabama's done a little bit with him, but uh, this is a guy that's looking to go out of state. This is a guy at this point that doesn't have a lot of strong options in state. So state's in it, probably with about another half dozen schools. He's, again, just trying to figure it out. He is a guy, too, that I think a lot of people are expecting Auburn to come back on him late. And they might. I don't know that they will, but they might. I think this is one of those deals where you just kind of kind of wait it out. But you can't recruit with that in mind. You go out and you recruit some other guys, too. So in the event that Auburn does come and pull him late, you still have the ability to fill your needs. But I don't think you can, you can just say, well, at some point Auburn's going to go get him because we don't know that. We know that Auburn would be a factor if they chose to really engage with him, but so far they've kind of slow played him. Uh, so we'll see. But that's the benefit of being in Auburn and Alabama and Alabama is because of the fact that, you know, you've got the chance to go back late and, uh, and maybe flip a kid that's committed somewhere else because you have the benefit of the hometown appeal. So that's one to really watch. Uh, Kimo is a guy we've talked about as of late. You know, I'll be honest with you, Paul Jones is a little more bullish about State getting him than I am. I think he's going to end up staying closer to home. I've had some people tell me chances are he's going to stay in the state of Florida. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but I, I, you know, I'm not quite as bullish on that one just yet. I've talked to some different people that say, hey, listen, there are a lot of schools in the state of Florida that are recruiting this kid that are just waiting to see him in person and see how he's grown a little bit, and, uh, and then they're going to make a decision on an offer. And so I, I think that this is going to be one that if we jump in now, we're going to have to kind of hang on. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, the bottom line is, you know, State is casting a pretty wide net because of the fact that there's not a lot of great offensive line prospects in the state of Mississippi this year. And I'm a big fan of recruiting the border states too, but it just seems like we're in on those kids in Alabama, but there's just not enough of them to go around. Devin Smith's a guy from Biloxi that I have had multiple people, including one of his own coaches, tell me, listen, Devin Smith is a college offensive lineman, but he believes he is a defensive lineman. He really doesn't want to play O-line. He wants to attack. He wants to be a guy that fires off the football, a guy that goes and makes things happen. And so my hope is is that maybe the light comes on for him later this year and saying, you know what, my better options in the Power Five are going to be on the offensive side of the football. This is a guy I've been told that could probably play professional football as an offensive lineman, but he believes he's a defensive lineman. So we'll see how that progresses. But that's a name to kind of file away a little bit later. I think State and Ole Miss both will stay on him. And maybe you recruit him as a defensive lineman and then he gets here and, and then you know you let him cut his teeth over there and then maybe he moves. I just don't know if he's going to be able to get the leverage, you know, at his size. I mean, this is the guy that's got an off. It, it reminds me a little bit of the D.J. Fluker situation. And he ironically went to Biloxi High School too, you know, before he went back to Alabama. You know, Fluker was one of those guys. I remember watching him play, and he, and he thought he was going to be a defensive tackle. And then you watch him, and I think I saw him against Moss Point, and they had these 5'9", 5'10", offensive tree stump guards that stood him up all night long. And I'm sure when they went and watched film with him, they showed him, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. You're going to lose a leverage battle every single time because these guys are going to be smaller and you're not going to be able to move them. And, and, you know, you can't give good pad level, you're going to be sunk. And so they convinced him to move over to play offensive tackle and he ends up going to National Football League. And he really struggled a lot. Uh, you remember that U.S. Army game 
in his practice sessions, he really struggled. A lot of that was just because of the fact he was so raw in his development and he ends up being an NFL player. Uh, but, you know, I think Devin Smith is kind of in that same cloth. I think Devin is one of those guys that is kind of being a little bit stubborn right now because I think deep down he's thinking, okay, this is what I enjoy playing, but what do I need to play? What do I need to play? Well, okay, chances are you're not going to have a future even on the Power 5 level as a defensive lineman, but you could play in the SEC as an offensive lineman. To me, that's an easy decision to make, but I'm not Devin Smith. Yeah, he made it decide, you know what, I hate playing offensive line. It, it's awful. I don't want to I don't want to play football if I gotta play that. And if that's how he feels, then he needs to be happy at Southern Miss or Memphis or UAB or something like that. But if he wants to play in the SEC, I think he needs to embrace playing on the offensive line. So that's kind of how things shake up right now. I still expect it to be a five offensive lineman class. Could see a JUCO guy in there. You know, we'll see how things progress, especially when you consider we talked about a ton of seniors at the beginning of the show. You know, you're going to have some guys kind of move on. You might have, you know, a stopgap situation where you need to go out and get a guy in a junior college ranks. And I, I know that uh, I guess the kid from uh, Rosa Fort, I guess Demarcus Gordon is his name. He's on at Colin. He's a guy that State recruited really, really hard at a high school, but never pulled the trigger on an offer because he was going to be a sure non qualifier. Well, now that he's on track, maybe you go back and kind of double back and, and make a decision to bring him back in and be a part of the program. So that's kind of where we are with offensive linemen. I like I like what I'm hearing, but I would feel a lot better once we start getting some names in the boat. And I don't think you got to go panic and go take somebody just to take somebody. You've got plenty of time. And I think a guy like Jim Riley, I mean, listen, this is the kid that grew up coming to Mississippi State games his entire life. I think once you tell him, hey, we want you to come on, then uh, he's going to jump in the boat, whether it be tomorrow or October or November. Uh, I don't think you have to rush that, though. Uh, and that's not to say you can take him for granted, but I think that's one of those ones, too, that as soon as you say, hey, we want you to be a bulldog, that's going to be the fulfillment of a dream come true. And I, I really like the kid. I and mean, when you watch his film, you can see that you know he's still kind of figuring it out. Uh, but I think Coach Russo and his staff will do a great job. I mean, they'll do a great job. And, he, and Coach Russo was at Independence. But he'll do a great job. Uh, kind of getting Jim ready to go. And I think you're going to see some good film from him as we kind of move forward. So just kind of file that away for later. I don't think anything happens right away, but probably a little bit later. So, uh, listen, we're probably it's a few days away from pushing the book Alpha Dogs uh, off to layout. Because, like, once, it, once we get done and I sign off on all these chapters and they're all pretty clean, we're kind of reading back. We're doing what's called the final read going back through and making sure we didn't miss anything, that we've made all these changes, and there have been hundreds of changes, hundreds, most of them grammatical, some of them content-related. I get a little long-winded at times when I'm writing, and so I've got to be reminded that sometimes this is a little bit wordy, and, and I have a bad habit of repeating phrases, and so we got to work on kind of being a little creative with our own idioms, as my uh, publisher and agent says from time to time. So uh, we're getting close, so we're going to have the opportunity for you guys to pre-order sooner rather than later. And I'm looking forward to it. It's one of those things, too, where, you know, when you get in the middle of all of it and, you, and then you got to go back and, man, you go through all these edits, and, that, and that's the hardest part for me because I'm so emotionally invested in the work. But then when we get it all done, and then I go back and I start naming chapters, I, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot about this one. Man, it's just a great story. And I get to the next one, I'm working through edits and thinking, man, this is really, really good. And then I go back and I interview Sharon Fanning and I add a few quotes from Coach Fanning Otis to Latoya Thomas chapter. And I'm like, man, this worked out okay. And so I have worked harder on this book. You know, Flim Flam was a little different. There was a lot of fact-checking involved and that sort of stuff, you know, just because of the fact I wanted to stay out of a courtroom 
even though I hadn't done anything wrong, that doesn't stop anybody from filing a suit against you. Anybody can sue anybody. It doesn't mean they can win. But uh, but I did my best you know, to make sure that I didn't defame anybody or misrepresent anything. I reported the facts. And so these other books have been a little bit easier to deal with. But I, but I really I told my, my publisher, I said, I want to make sure whatever, whatever software we need to find, I, I want to make sure we eliminate as many errors as we possibly can. And so... Uh, I think we have probably, in many cases, maybe even over-edited the book, you know, where uh, probably to the point that we've made each other uh, frustrated with one another, and that's part of the process. But it's all about the betterment of the book, and uh, we're going to have it for you sooner rather than later. There will be a URL at alphadogsthebook.com, but also you can find all of it at beautifulstevrobertson.com and starkvillainsthebook.com, and you can find your Stark Villains gear, and I encourage you to get that at starkvillains.com. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you, Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show, man. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there. They'll take care of you and treat you like family because in their minds you are family. Simple as that. F- visit them at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we get a phrase that pays. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, bucks, absolutely incomplete. So before we get out of here, I just want to weigh in on a couple of things uh, about a lot of this timing, about all, you know, people, that, that's the big topic now, is like now that the flag business is resolved and, you know, now that, you know, we, we, we had the, the protests and that kind of stuff, everybody's kind of cycling back to the, the start of college football. And there are a lot of people that are sharing opinions that, that, that really are just their opinions, but they get reported as facts. And so I'm just going to tell you, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. We're going to survive whatever happens, okay? We're going to be we're going to be good. But I'm not backing off my expectation of us playing football. I do know that there are a lot of people around that are that are dependent upon college football in their communities, uh, and, and and not just from an emotional standpoint. There, there are people that feed their families based on on college football. And so I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if there is a safe way to make this happen, they're going to do it. And I, it's so funny, Nobody, very few people, I guess Brett or Murphy's one of the only ones that I've noticed, that routinely reports that there are very few or no positive tests for universities. There are some other people out there, the only things they ever tweet is when kids are testing positive because it fits their narrative. It's like, oh, there's no way we can play because there was two kids at Bowling Green, or, and I don't know how many there were at Bowling Green. I'm just using them as an example. And then Notre Dame will have zero, or Boston College will have zero, Texas Tech will have zero, you know, and then that doesn't get reported. And it's and I kind of scratch my head sometimes, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, if we're supposed to be fair and balanced, and I know that term is offensive to some, but if we're supposed to just kind of be a facts-based news media group, why don't we report everything? Why do, why do we only report the things that kind of fit what we want? You know, I think it reminds me, and I've shared this so many times, uh, I'm a huge Queensryche fan, and uh, I don't know if we ever do a top ten list. I don't know if there's enough interest in that or not. But uh, I love that Operation Mindcrime album. It's one of the best shows I ever went to. Saw them with Suicidal Tendencies in Jackson, Mississippi. One of the best shows I ever saw. Uh, incredible. But Jeff Tate wrote in um, Revolution Calling, I used to trust the media to tell us the truth. But now I see the payoffs everywhere I look. Who do I trust when everyone's a crook? And that's how a lot of this political media stuff looks to me. There's so much of that that it's like 
they've gotten so caught up in clickbait journalism that the integrity behind their mandate has been undermined. It's like, hey, I want to keep a job, so i got to get clicks. Let me write something that's sensational rather than something that's factual. And, uh, and, and that's, the, that's the problem with you know, the smartphone, Facebook culture of which we live in, is that the things you're going to click on are the things that get your attention. It's not always the things that are factual. It's like I can't count how many times I'll scroll through my timeline and somebody shared an article and it's been, uh, you know, highlighted or whatever. Hey, this has been proven false by Facebook fact checkers or whatever. And I'm glad they have that. I just wish they used it a little more uniformly. You know, it's like to me, it's like they kind of pick and choose which topics they're interested in and kind of uh, fact checking. But uh, I think, again, it's important to just kind of relax a little bit and not get caught up in all this rhetoric. Because I I promise you, it's going to be a roller coaster every day between now and the time they make an announcement. One day you're going to feel good about it because this athletic director at this school said this. And the next day, you know, Paul Feinbaum will say something and Paul Feinbaum will say something different regularly and then come back later and say just like i told you this is what happened even though he told us every possibility so again try to enjoy the month of july as best you can because we're not going to have a decision until we get in august they're still collecting data john cohen keith carter everybody involved in college athletics in the state of mississippi all in regular contact with the governor and the the governor's medical team, they're, they're figuring this thing out. Will there be football? Will there be football with fans? Will there be full capacity? And despite what your friends may tell you on Facebook, they do not know. If Mississippi State knew, there would be no need to wait to make an announcement next month. If Tate Reeves and you know the IHL board had already reached a decision, there would be no need to wait. What do they gain by waiting? So... Be that as it may, just hang in there, hang loose. We're going to figure it out. We're going to roll with the punches. And I, like many of you, I am ready, ready to see ball games that matter. And college football, listen, I'm a much bigger college athletics fan than I am pro football and pro baseball and pro basketball. I cannot remember the last time that I watched an NBA game from start to finish on purpose. Watch a lot of pro baseball, but, you know, watch some pro football. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a college guy all the way, and so – uh, I'm, I'm ready to watch anything, but I'm not nearly as intrigued about the pro sports. And I know many of you kind of feel the same way I do. I just It's just one of those things that doesn't really fire me up. I enjoy it when our college players have the opportunity to go play professional baseball or professional football or basketball. I think it's great for the program of Mississippi State and great for those student-athletes. But, uh, you know, my hope and my heart is in uh, what Mississippi State does and um, the athletic games with which they play. So – Again, at this point, there is nothing to know. We're still waiting uh, to see what the decisions are going to be. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.